Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. Uh, happy Easter, folks. Has anybody got any good chocolate this morning? Um, Easter Bunny didn't come to my house today, so. Oh, man. Oh, man. Does the Easter Bunny keep a naughty nice list? <laughs> Maybe. He just might. Or she just might. I don't know what mm. the gender is of the Easter Bunny. Good point. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to uh, Revolution Easter 2021. Glad to see you all here. Um, what is going on? It's Easter. That's what it is. Um, so in a few days, I've been told that everyone in Seattle can get shots. So I'm hoping to get a shot. This week, and finally get my license. It's taken me four months to get my license that expired in December. Up. So that should be interesting. Um, Hopefully one day live back to normal life. I don't know. Um, I'm guessing a lot of folks who regularly watch her at church today. (laughs) Yeah. Since Sunday is the, I skip church and... I mean, I go to church on, everybody goes to church once a year, right? Mm-hmm. Usually on Easter or, twice a year. or Christmas. Yeah. Um, well, so here we are, Easter Sunday, and um, I'm trying to think. Some, oh, I usually give a little bit of talk about my week. My son started T-ball yesterday, and that is, feels very adult. Um, it's funny to be around a bunch of like, other t-ball parents mm-hmm. who know about sports and I know nothing about sports. I finally had to look over at one dad and be like, Oh yeah, his mom knows about sports. Uh, skateboarding is as far as I got, but she's over there. Cause he was asking me all these questions. And then my ex-wife was like, tell him to hold the bat by the barrel. And I was like, I don't know what the barrel is. <laughs> I'm guessing it's one side of the bat. So um, I just wasn't raised with sports at all. Um, but yeah, so it was cute though. It was really fun. His sister was cheering him on and, uh, that was really, really, really cool to see. So yeah, that's it, cute. It's fun to enter into the adult adulting world and, uh, see what other people are up to. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I guess that's it. I don't have any really good drama for you. The world, I think, has got enough drama as it is. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, the talk today. Um, I guess confession time is, I've never really been comfortable on, and I've said this before, I think, but I've never really been comfortable with um, religious holidays that fall on Sundays, because I always feel like it's like I'm... I guess I wouldn't make a very good like mainline pastor who has to go by the because they go through the uh, what's it called 
they have that book that they go through. Oh, I'll oh, think yeah. of it later. I have a copy of it around here somewhere. The lectionary. Yeah. And um, cool. but so you have to preach on um, and uh, yeah, I had to preach on things. I don't like preaching on holidays. To be honest with you. And um, the resurrection is complicated to speak on. I I think it's funny because I was watching a friend of mine who pastors a church, his his tech uh, Instagram today, and and he's still real, real uh, traditional. And so they had like, he's risen, he's risen indeed, signs and all these great stuff going on and the whole shebang and celebration. And, uh, but for me, uh, you know, I, I have so many questions and I struggle with doubt and, 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 uh, I, I guess the two biggest questions, not biggest questions, they're not really big questions to me anymore, but to create, to really stretching into the belief system is rising from the dead after three days and virgin birth. Um, so that's that virgin birth one is always something you can kind of easily talk about historically and, and, and question. Um, and really resurrection is, uh, I'm not going to get into all of that, but I'm going to talk about resurrection today, believe it or not. I was trying to figure out how I wanted to talk about this issue. So we're going to talk about resurrection. So, um, we're going to start with, uh, the book of Acts. And the reason I decided to go into the book of Acts, um, well, one, everybody's living in a post-resurrection world, but also um, I think, you know, Paul has this experience. The apostle Paul has this experience, which I think is really interesting um, because he has this experience with Christ and this vision of Christ. And I feel like, the resurrection becomes extremely real to him um, through this experience. Mm. And so I really wanted to kind of, kind of look at how, you know, what is resurrection? Even if, if, if we struggle with the idea of a bodily resurrection, which I know a lot of you who listen to revolution do, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of you on Instagram and, and, and DMS on Facebook. And we talk about these different things and, talk about the afterlife and, and, and have questions about that. But um, I think Paul's is interesting. So let's look at, look, look at Acts 9 um, and, 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 and Paul's conversion. Um, and I think Saul is actually means Paul. I just think we, the Bible makes it that way so we can kind of dif- dif- differentiate. differentiate between his past and his present. Mm. Um. But meanwhile, Saul, still breathing, threats, 9-1 says, and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for a letter to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, which is what they called, what Christianity was called, belonged to the way uh, men found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, here's the interesting thing is when Paul was, you know, Paul was basically going in and and asking for these rules so he could come in and and literally arrest 
people who were followers of Jesus. That was his whole thing. Um, and and it, they were usually killed. So it was, I, I always think that's an interesting thing to look at, especially in this day and age of cancel culture and how quickly we write people off and, you know, face with the realities of, um, you know, Christianity is not a religion that could probably exist in this type of climate um, if it was happening now. Um, so he wanted to basically arrest all these Christians. So here he is in uh, 9.3. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up, the ground, and through his eyes were open, though his eyes were open, he could not see, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And this is what I really like this part because we're, we're talking about three days. And it says, for three days, he was without sight and neither ate, neither ate nor drank. Now, the three-day thing really gets me, too, because, you know, it's funny, as Good Friday has become more sacred to me than Easter in a lot of ways, um, because feeling abandonment, because sometimes feeling the lack of God in my own life, um, especially through the tougher times. And I mean, it, it's quite an amazing thing, as, you know, as Christ is suffering on the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, this moment of feeling abandoned by God comes at the worst moment in in Christ's life. And I don't think a lot of us often realize, and it took me a while to realize this, is that's often when we feel the most abandoned. That's why that guy wrote Footprints. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so it's like, it's when we often feel most abandoned is when when we're in our darkest moment. And to be honest with you, that's when we don't want to feel abandoned at all. Um, and I know in my own life, it took me a long time to accept that that was my union with Christ, mm-hmm. not God or anything like that, but that was my, my, my union or reunion with Christ in those moments. And that it's the closest I think I've come to understanding who Christ is and what Christ happened to Christ and what Christ was, is when you spend your life serving and following the way and then in your darkest moment when you need it, it's not there. Mm. And so to feel that and to experience that, and then to have something that it almost confirms that you're on the right path in that moment of darkness is is very interesting and unique and very radical. And I think it's interesting as a concept for the religion that we are in in following Christianity is that, you know, there'll be oftentimes where you feel abandoned and your faith is gone and it can often be in those darkest hours and that that's not an unnatural thing, that that's not something that we should fight against. It's so funny because I shared that on social media 
And I still had a few people be like, well, Jay, that was only once. Or, oh, well, Jay, that, you know, and they want the asterisk. We always want the asterisk with grace or with suffering or things like that because we always sell Easter because we're, we're very capitalistic in our faith system in America and other countries as well. But we always want the win, the win, the win, the win, mm-hmm. the resurrection, Sunday's coming. You know, I, 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 I get all that and I get hope and I, and I, and I hold on to hope very much so. Um, but for me, the important work happens in the midst of feeling forsaken. For me, the important things, the realizations happen in the midst of, of, of tough times. And that's when I grow the most is when I'm in pain or when I'm having a hard time. Um, that's usually when I'm looking for answers and looking for direction. Um, when, when hope has, when, when hope sometimes feels to not be there anymore. And, um, so I think one thing that the Catholic Church maybe has right is is maybe all those statues of Jesus crucified, which growing up, I remember I'd had a crucifix that I got in Jerusalem, and I remember wearing it at my dad's church, and people at the church, meaning well, I think, <laughs> came up to me and told me that their Jesus wasn't on the cross anymore. Um, but I think there's that, I, but there's that denial, the denial of death, that denial of pain, Um it makes it makes me think uh, when when we had Steve a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about people dying and their bodies were getting that eviction, eviction notice. You know that their bodies were giving people the eviction notice, like it's time to die. It's you're leaving your body. And um, and he said about my mom and some other people who are suffering. And I feel like that's where Christ was when he was getting that eviction notice. He felt forsaken. Um, and I feel like we don't celebrate the victory there. But I think there is some sort of victory there, but I don't think it's, I think what it is is more of that peace that passes all understanding. And what I mean by that is there's a reason why it passes all understanding is because it, you're in a moment that shouldn't have no peace in it at all. You're in a moment where there should be no peace. And that's where that comes from. That's where that suffering with Christ comes from. That's where you know, taking up your cross and, and dying with Christ mm. comes from. Um, so to me, that's the radical part of Christianity. That is the amazing part of Christianity to me is that even in those moments of the darkest hour and the dark night of the, you know, the dark night of the soul in the dark night, you know, it's still the abandonment is still sharing with Christ. It's still Christ-like. It's still, Mm. it's still Christ-like to be in that place. Um, It's still Christ-like to even want to escape that suffering. So to me, yeah. that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we see here with Paul is, 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 is the reason I'm looking at Paul's life is because it's, to me, this is Paul's death and resurrection in a way. And he does have those three days of not eating and, and not doing anything. He's just done and he's, he's blinded. Mm-hmm. But he's had an experience with the resurrected Christ. And here it is, is it's extremely real. It's extremely, seems almost tangible for him, even though it was a vision. And uh, I think that's the thing is, is growing up in, you know, in kind of a more legalistic, you know, the Bible's got to be this and this and this, you know, you've got to have this Christ that you can touch and, 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 and we're going to, which we'll talk about in a minute, but you know, it's, it's got to be this way or this way, but it was no less real to the apostle Paul 
than it was to Peter or James or Mary or any of these people who had an experience with risen Christ. It was still extremely, extremely real. And, um, and I like that. I, I connect to that. Um, and I've not even had a vision. So, um, <laughs> but so this idea is, is that you've come, you see Paul coming into this moment too of where he is, he has caused great suffering and in his new life and in his resurrection, his life is about to take a, a different path, a different way of going it, it, when we celebrate resurrection. But I think Paul has a resurrection moment and that's why he's able to talk so clearly about Christ. And, um, and if we look at it, it, it gives us no uh, soft fuzzies about the resurrection, which, which I think, a lot of us grew up with, it's the answer, and it's victory over death, and it's, you know, and it's a lot of that, but it's, let's look at the realities of resurrection um, for us. Um, what does it mean? So it goes on. Um, I'm going to jump down a little bit here. Um, you know, maybe I'll just go through the whole dang thing. Why not? It's Easter Sunday. Um, now there were disciples in Damascus named Ananias, Lord said to him in a vision, a lot of visions happening, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord, Um, here I am, Lord, the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called, called straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, at that moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias as in, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And I like this. This is interesting is that this experience of the Christ has blinded Paul. Paul cannot see. And for me, I've always felt the same way about grace. Is for me, when I discovered what grace really was, um, I became blinded. Um, and honestly, I don't think I ever learned to see again the same way ever. Um, it really did something to me. I, I, it's probably another reason I'm Paulinian is because I relate so much to Paul um, in some of these ways. Uh, I never killed Christians, but I have wanted to. Um, <laughs> 13 says, um, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name for Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. Now, this is what I think is interesting about Paul's, we call it conversion, but let's look at it as resurrection for a minute. Paul's death of Saul and the resurrection of Paul, if you want to do that, um, to make it clear. Um, once again, I, I'm going to, hit cancel culture in the face, bam, mm -hmm. because Ananias has every right to be afraid of this guy. 
every right to not want to associate with this person and do what he's being called to do. Um, this guy is a murderer and very well could be called evil and um, be not forgiven. But that's not Christianity. That's the problem when Christianity supports something like a cancel culture, we're not practicing Christianity. Mm. Is there justice? Yes. Is there restoration? Yes. Because see what Christ says here is, I'm going to show Paul how much he must suffer for me. So this is where I say we get rid of the warm fuzzies when it comes to resurrection. Because Paul, though he gets grace, and is actually at this moment, it's revealed that the Gentiles are going to be reached to Ananias through him. It's going to be painful for him, and it will ultimately lead to his physical death. Uh, it will lead to probably his, he's, he's probably married, probably has children, and this conversion is probably something that's costing him everything. Um, so the idea is, 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 what is the cost of resurrection? The cost of resurrection is, one, is death. Mm. Um, it's change. Um, it's also reinterpreting yourself to people who think you're something else than you really were before. Um, it's becoming something new, uh, which takes time for people to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot that goes into this, like really, like if you want to look at it in a very literal sense of the term, is like you're literally becoming somebody different, you're changing, you're looking at things in a different way, um, and it's not free from suffering. You know, Jesus didn't just come back and be like, I'm going to kick Rome's ass and I'm going to go sit on the throne and, and do all this stuff. You know, he found some awkward people. He, he found, you know, the first people he saw were, were women who were trying, wanted to anoint his body. You know, then the next thing you know, he's, he's hanging out with his like guys who are fishing, you know, and kind of popping up everywhere <laughs> from what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, is that it wasn't this like victory march or anything else. It was like, Hey, I'm back. And guess what? Life's going to be real shit for you because you're going to tell everybody about this, you know? And so I, I think when we try to sell this of like, life's going to be great, you know, you're going to be victorious. And you know, that's, we sell something that's literally not there. We're selling something that is not there, you know? You can be victorious. That's why the peace that passes all understanding has been sticking with me lately. When your body has an eviction, it sends you an eviction notice. You have victory within that, in that dark moment. And so I think what this faith and what Christianity is, is challenging us to do is interpret the world differently and interpret life differently. And that's when we go back to what we talked about last week of living in the lack Um it's saying live in the lack, live with the pain. It's almost like AA. In AA, it says, you know, what you do is you're not learning not to drink. What you're learning to do is to live life on life's terms. And it's almost that we have a faith that's saying you're going to live to learn life, live life on life's terms. This is the reality. Um, you know, so the reality isn't you're all going to be rich, rich preachers with mansions and really sweet shoes. Cause I think of that preachers and sneakers <laughs> website. Um, you know, that's almost all that says is that these people are really good at their jobs. It doesn't say that they're really good at their work and usually they're making really great work happen. But what I'm saying is, 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 is Christianity is not, victorious in the same way capitalism is victorious or Americans are victorious or this, that the wind doesn't look like 
like what we've been told. It doesn't look like in the movie. I, I, I often like in like uh, when I think about sequels, I like when sequels, you know, have this huge, or, you know, the first movie, there's a huge victory at the end. And then you get Empire Strikes Back where they're still freaking suffering and going mm-hmm. through it. You know what I mean? Because they were like, well, we don't know if we're going to meet the sequel. Or Ghostbusters, huge thing at the end. And then at the beginning of Ghostbusters 2, they're doing children's parties and the kids complain that they wanted some other characters to come to the birthday party because they're like, who are these guys? We don't want these guys here because they're losers, you know? They had one victory. Um, But often that's the realities of life and living life. Um, You know, what have you done for me lately? You know, what have you done for me lately? That is what capitalism has created us in our society. You know, um, you can do something really great but if you don't keep doing the great stuff and filling everybody's void to make them feel like, oh, you're really great all the time, they don't want anything to do with you. And they either forget you or find a way to turn you into the villain, very much like in, um, <laughs> in the second uh, Batman. Anyhow, I'm, I'm nerding out right now. Um, It'd be suspicious if you didn't mention Batman once. <laughs> <laughs> is it really Jay? Yeah. Is it a robot? Um, so, yeah, so the idea is, is, is that Paul through Paul's resurrection, through Paul's thing is that he's going to live life in a different way. Um, and I, I, I find that very interesting about resurrection. So that's the first part of my talk is, is what is it, you know, where does resurrection lead us? It leads us into maybe a new life in a new world, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely something that's interesting and different. And it's definitely worth, worth understanding the peace that passes all understanding. Um, But then if you look back easily at the commandments of love God with all your heart and equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself, if you know anything about loving others, even loving romantic love, over time it becomes difficult and it becomes something that we have to work on and something that we have to live with in life's terms. And um, so, so I think what we have to do is take the fairy tale out of it and live into the reality of it. Um, so uh, I don't know, I guess that's very, you know, maybe a dark way of looking at it, but for me, it's a, a realistic way of looking at this situation a realistically looking at something that maybe we've over spiritualized or over glamorized over the years to make it into this great thing. Um, another really cool resurrection moment I like is in the book of John. Um, I'm turning there. Uh, John 20. And uh, what I I like two things about this is (sighs) because it's very interesting to me. One of the things that is just kind of a side note, but in John 20, uh, when Jesus is, is, uh, I think he's talking to Mary Magdalene, he says, uh, Jesus says to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am sending them to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he, what he had said and th- these things to her. And I like this idea of I haven't quite ascended to the father yet. You can't even touch me. Like mm. there's something like you can't even connect with me because I'm still in this moment of transference. I'm still not, I've still not come to a place where I'm ready to be accepted or touched or realized. And to me, I think that's very, very, very interesting. Um, 
But my favorite story about the resurrection, I think, has, has always been um, 2024. It says, uh, but Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the marks and the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hands in his side, I will not believe. Um, Now, we all know that the story ends with Jesus letting Thomas do that, and Thomas believes, and then Jesus is blessed of those who don't see and believe, which is all of us, if we're here, or kind of subscribe to this idea of, of Christ. But I like the room that it makes for doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the room for doubt in our faith. I like that Thomas is there. Um, if if revolution was to change its to name to something that was more churchy, I'd probably call it St. Thomas's Church mm. of the Divine Doubt. You know, something like that. Because um, I think there's always room for that. And I think you actually see it in this in John too, when Jesus ascends, and you hear that they the say the disciples say, Surely that was the Son of God. And I've always thought that was very interesting. For me, because saying that, surely that was, you know, always has a bit of doubt still built in it. Mm. You know, they'd seen it for themselves, and there was still doubt within this resurrection. There was still doubt of this. Now, how many people do you think saw Paul and Paul's change and Paul coming to their town who also felt this kind of doubt towards there's been a change within this human being? Um, And that's kind of the price you pay for resurrection, is there's always going to be doubt. There's always going to be people like, I need it proved to me. In our own lives, we're always going to have Thomases, um, especially in the culture today where everybody's like, well, you know, we're going to ch- judge you on the one or two bad moments in your life and cancel you. And, 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 you know, if you change, how often do you have to like pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and prove to people like that was just a part of my life. You know, I'm, I'm a complex human being. I, I, I you know, I have, tons of contradictions. I have good things and bad things, just like any other human being. You know what I mean? And, and, and prove yourself that resurrection has happened in your own life. Um, and I, all I can say is, is that for me, resurrection isn't about some supernatural experience that happened to a man, God. Um, but for me, it's looking into my own life and saying, what do I glean from being Christ, from Christ? And what do I see from that? And what do I see from Christ's even vision to Paul, is that my life is going to change. And I, I saw someone make a comment on Facebook uh, today that said, you know, we all, we all have these small resurrections over our, in our lives. And it's true. You know, we have these moments of, of death mm. and resurrection and yeah. death and change. Um, but for me is the idea of, of uh, continuing forward even in the darkest, most suffering moments, but also being able to live within that darkness and you know, being ready for the next, what's, what's next after those moments of darkness. And, um, I I have a friend who's going through just horrific, horrific loss right now. And, and I said, you know, we were talking about suicide and I said, you know, please, you know, it's not worth it. And the only reason I know it's not worth it is because I tried to do it and I've survived it. And everything that's come after has been worth 
living. Mm. Has it been easy? No. Um, was there a lot of hell uh, climbing out of the, the tomb? <laughs> you know, figuratively? Yes. You know, and it, is, is there still pain from the death? Yes. Is there still pain from what you did? Yes. And, and there's still going to be pain ahead of me explaining that to my children one day, um, explaining it to other people. Um, trying to communicate that mm. with other folks. Um, and it's, it's funny, even going through that, on my own death and resurrection, explaining it to other people, we are so like, surely that was the Son of God, that even that just fades away and people don't care because they want to hear who's done it lately. What's, who's gone through it even lately? Like, we just want the new resurrected person. We want all this. You know, it's, it's this, we've got this capitalist need for ill for void that our, our stories and our situations don't even last with one another. It's really strange to me. Um, and I think it has to do with social media and different things yeah. like that and just this short, every, attention. Short, short attention span, um, which unfortunately has created us to also probably care a little bit less and continually move on to what's next. Uh, and we forget the past. I, I also think that was a very important reason why we had Steve come and talk. It wasn't just about my mom and, and him, but... It's about looking back and realizing what a lot of gay men went through in the 80s and how much they suffered. Because um, I see a lot of people say, well, sh- you know, cis white males, which also includes gay men, and, you know, often throw these men under the bus and forget their legacy and forget their history and forget their death and their resurrection and what they survived to the point so that we could be living the way. Mm. So we could have, you know, gay marriage. So we, we, we could go through these things. I mean, literally they were seen as the scum of the earth and plagued, have to have the plague and seen under God's judgment, yet they rose in the same way Christ that is seen to be under God's judgment, you know, rose from that and created a better world for us. And, but, with the short attention span, we often forget that, or maybe we weren't alive when that happened, and we don't think about history. And Hegel says, you know, all we learn from history is, is that we're destined to repeat it over and over again. And, you know, that's also an idea of, of you know, concept of insanity. And so I feel like part of our ministry of church or revolution or gathering or whatever you want to call it is, is helping remind folks, hey, we've been there. What's next? You know, what's next for our resurrection with still remembering the past still, you know, I mean, most of what I understand about Christ, and I think Paul talks about Christ, you know, well, for Paul, it's actually more about resurrection. But for a lot of us who talk about Christ, we talk about life before the, the death, not after. Mm-hmm. And for Paul, it was all about the resurrection. Yeah. And for, um, for a lot of us, though, it was all about life before death. Mm-hmm. So it's always just something to wrestle with and think about. And I love contradictions. So it's all there. You know, I think for me, when I feel most like Thomas is probably in the moments of darkness is when I'm in the shower and I just, that's the only time where I feel like God can, I can be alone with any concept or ideal or thought of God is when I'm just quiet and just bare and just trying to like, I think of all the times I was kind of crying out for God to show up and, and it really took me reading my buddy Pete Rollins, one of his books, um, and, and talking about death and, and, and the death of Christ and, and, and the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me for anything to become a reality for me and for me to continue to do this work because yeah. of those moments mm-hmm. and, and being able to embrace that despair and that hopelessness. Um, 
And, and, you know, resurrection is also not just this thing that we celebrate, but it's also an end to a certain story. And often that story can be a loved one passing away, uh, a, a end of a marriage, failure of a business, you know, you know, so, so I feel like often in resurrection, we, we forget that mourning is built into the resurrection, that we've got to mourn within the resurrection. Um, even with Christ's resurrection with his disciples, he's preparing to leave. He's just saying, I'm just here to prepare you for what's about to come next. And I'm leaving you, you know, so I'm leaving you so I can give you the Holy Spirit, but I'm leaving. You know, there's still this sadness that's involved. There's still this this disconnect that's about to be involved. There's still mourning involved. And I think that's one of the reasons why in the Beatitudes it says, blessed those who mourn. Um, because I think that's part of the realities of life. And death is such a huge part of life. Mm. And that's also something I feel like we, we, we don't want to hold on to, is, is the, the realities we're all going to die. Um, so... I debated today a little bit if I was going to talk about my own experience, and I, and I kind of did there a little bit. Um, but through my own attempt to take my own life and failure to do so, um, I experienced very much what felt like a literal resurrection in a way, um, because I, I literally planned not to, to live anymore. And to have survived that and come out and wake up in a hospital bed and 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 be in, in, in a you know, going and being checked into a mental hospital for a few days and, and things like that. The work and the darkness that came out of that. One of the things I did learn from that and learn from great therapy, from dialectic behavioral therapy and different things like that was um, how to accept myself for who I was and not give really a huge damn of what other people thought. And there's something extremely powerful about that. But there's also took extreme loss in my life. And I've had many, many losses, many, many devastating moments in my life. Um, but there was something about this last heavy one that really caused me to rethink and see things differently and lead me onto a path of uh, self-acceptance. And uh, it's been really great, but it's also really hard. And it's one of those things that I have to continually be honest with myself about um, because I flipped. I slipped back into the ideas of wanting to please people and to make others happy. Um, oh, uh, but I, what I've learned and what, if, if resurrection for my life is, ha, has caused me to accept anything is, is to accept conflict, um, to embrace conflict as part of life, um, uh, to, to have no more apologies. I have, I have very few apologies at least. Um, but to 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 let go of, of constantly being a people pleaser and apologizing because you know the sky is blue type of thing, mm-hmm. um, to let go of that. But it's still very hard because everything inside me wants me to go back to a place of comfort. And if resurrections brought me anything, it's brought me great discomfort. But it's still a peace that passes understanding because it's me being who I am and who I'm called to be. Um, but. Uh, when you when you go through that, people aren't always ready for that, especially if you've been a people pleaser before, and all of a sudden you're not a people pleaser. You're not popular as you used to be anymore. And so when you embrace the conflict, um, people aren't used to you bringing conflict, or people are used to you falling on your own sword, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm not really going to fall on my sword on this one because I don't see it that way. Um, 
it becomes tough and you do almost become like a new being. You almost do. And it is, there are points when you're going through it where you're almost like, you know, don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. don't, don't, you know, I haven't figured this out yet. So I right. might just lose it. Um, or, or, or a temptation to return back to the old ways. Mm. So, um, with us in our own lives, when we have these moments of clarity and these darknesses, I, one thing I always think about death is, is for me, death often brings such clarity to what's going on in the world. When my mother died, I just, my bullshit meter went really, really almost down to zero. But within a few weeks and a few months, it came back because society was doing everything to tell me to live by society's rules, to live in this way of playing that game and, and everything's not black and white, you know, but when, when someone dies and, and you're in that moment of mourning, there becomes this clarity of everything that's important. But it's funny how society tells you to, know, oh, no, no, those aren't important. You really need to do dances around those things and you really need to conform to the way we work and, and say the things we do or we'll reject you. And you kind of just slowly conform back into. Mm. So I guess if I'm a nonconformist at all, I'm a nonconformist in the way of saying, live your best life, live your truth, live your clarity. Um, but doing so, be prepared to make other people uncomfortable and be prepared to have less friends. You know, right. be prepared to have less people around you who want to work with you and, and, and listen to you. Because um, when you start to tell your truth and speak what you feel is the truth and live life with on life's terms, it becomes scary to other people because everybody else is trying to project onto you what they want out of their life. Mm. And they are, you know, they don't want to take that tough road. They don't want necessarily to go through the death to get to the resurrection. And so they often avoid that and, and put that onto you. I mean, um, I had a lot of people tell me to quit the ministry when I was going through all that stuff because mm. that was such a dark time for me. Um, but often looking into it, I looked at their own people. I had to look at some of these people's own failures in their own lives and realizing that they were just trying to say like, well, if I was in the situation, I would give up. Right. But I had to realize that I was uh, not going to give up and that, that I just don't have a place in my life to give up. Don't give up. You're on the brink of a miracle as my mom used to sing. Um, but it's one of those things where I just don't have it in me. I, I, consistency is, is something that I, I really love, even though that consistency involves and changes over time. But I can't, I just, I won't give up. And other people are saying, you need to give up. And luckily I had one or two friends who told me, don't keep moving forward. And that gave me the ability to move forward. Um, I, I, I was thinking also today, somebody showed a clip of, of uh, Pete Rollins, my best mate, used to have this uh, talk he gave. And he said, you deny the resurrection. Every mm -hmm. time you, he goes, of course I deny the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? You know, and then he's like, I deny the resurrection every time I don't, you know, feed He's someone done, who's yeah. hungry or, you know, I don't love my neighbor as myself or I don't do these things. And he was saying, you know, these, but what's powerful about that is what he's saying is, is if we want to live the resurrection, it's not saying I accept a complete literal resurrection. If there was a camera there and Jesus walks out, it's not, that's not completing the resurrection. It's not saying I buy into it a hundred percent. What it's saying is if I live the resurrection, I live the hard truth of loving my enemies, of, standing up for those who are being persecuted, mourning with others. First uh, Corinthians really never giving up, never losing faith, always be hopeful, enduring through every circumstance. When I don't do those things, that's when I deny the resurrection. Mm -hmm. But when I live into the resurrection, it's going like, yeah, I'm really trying to work and love my neighbor as myself. I'm really trying to love my enemies. That's 
when I live within the resurrection. Um, it doesn't become this like, you know, uh, apologetics. It becomes, am I living within that resurrection? And living within that resurrection and, not, and accepting that resurrection is saying, yeah, I'm a follower of the way. I don't know how much I, I, I believe in this black and white or in like a science book or, or anything like that. But what I do believe that the resurrection has taught me to do, and when I do believe in the resurrection, you'll see me forgiving those who hurt me. You'll see me loving those who need help. You'll see me clothing those who are cold or feeding those who are hungry. That's my way of confessing the resurrection. Um, and back to movies is, is one of the things I love uh, for me. I think one of the greatest resurrection stories is very much like Paul's resurrection story is the, the story of Anakin Skywalker um, and his move from Jedi to Sith to Darth Vader uh, to someone who's murdering Jedis everywhere and younglings and, and all these things and going through this life. And then his son comes back and redeems him through a one moment, one moment of death where he has a moment and he redeems himself by saving his son. Interesting enough, very Christ Christian-y kind of thing. And when we see at the end of return of the Jedi, you know, there's Anakin as, 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 as a Jedi ghost or a spirit ghost or a force ghost or whatever they call him, you know, he's there, he's been redeemed for this moment, for this decision, for the moment he said, I'm going to love my child. I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing. And I love that concept of grace. It just speaks so loudly to us Mm -hmm. and we all can love it and, and root for it if it's fiction or it's in a story because it's, it's set, it does something within us. But when we try to think about it logically, we have to go like, oh, that's it's just science fiction, you know. But it does touch something deep within us when we see this bad guy that we love who's a bad guy. We love rooting for the bad guy, but we see that redemption that it, it, even there for Darth Vader, and it, it hits us. You know, there's something to it. There's something about this concept of resurrection, even for the enemy, even for the bad guy, um, that 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 changes us. Mm. And uh, for me, that's, that's, I love that. I I love to see that played out. I love to see how it plays on our instincts and in our emotions is this concept of, of resurrection. Um, But that's my Easter Sunday talk today. Um, That's the best I have for you. Um, And and I hope I've given you, I think I've probably given you a box full of stuff to think about and to work through. So uh, great luck with, good luck with that. That's I like to say. Uh, may the force be with you. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Um, we're going to do uh, Q&A right now, Afterglow. So um, Caleb has been, I guess, taking notes on on what's going on back there. And so if you have any questions or any pushback, you can also add it as we answer a few questions. And we'll get through this as quick as we can so you can go have some. So you can go to the Cracker Barrel and have mm-hmm. dinner. Yeah, Dave asks, who's behind you? You just answered that question. Hi, yeah, Dave. I'm Caleb. It's Caleb. Um, I, I, something came to me, Jay, um, near the, the kind of the wrap up of what you were saying about Pete's take on living the resurrection and that being like a, a kind of a constant renewal and, and how that kind of parallels with the idea of being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Yeah. You know, like you're transformed into a new person, you know, um, the renewed back into Paul from Saul again, um, uh, being kind of a, a practice and, and, and a, a renewal that has to keep happening and how, how you're transformed by that. Um, and we had, we had a lot of really nice comments. Um, 
Now Dave's asking. I'll, I'll, I'll message, DM me, Dave. I'll talk to you and we can get to know each other. I can't uh, answer all these direct questions right now, though. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, we had we had some some good comments. Um, Roberta shared a very personal story. She said, several years ago, I lost faith in myself. My daughter and I went through a domestic violence situation and we successfully escaped. Six months later, my son, who was ill, passes away. I felt so abandoned by God and didn't want to accept what was happening to me. Why me? Why? What did I do wrong? So wrong that all this is happening to me. Then I found Jay Baker in Revolution Church, and I see my faith in a different way now, and I'm at peace. Thank you, Jay. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. Those are great words. Honestly, it's just thank you. Thank you. I'm going to say thank you, and um, mm-hmm. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of the... Uh, the congregation. Amen. Uh, Thomas said, forsaken by God, lost in a dark place before the moment of resurrection. That's that uh, Good Friday kind of mindset. Yeah. And you have to go through that. Um, and I, something that's interesting to me, too, is that uh, these moments of feeling abandoned by God... I think maybe the at least the evangelical church sometimes will have you think that you feel a lack of God, you feel abandoned by God because of your own lack of faith. Yeah. But as we see when Christ goes through that, it's not because of a lack of faith that he feels abandoned by God. You know, it's not it's just it's it's something it's it's um I don't know if it's like a t- a test or what or or exactly what the um the model being set there is, but you know, Christ doesn't feel abandoned by God because he loses faith. Um, he, he, he feels abandoned by God as, as a result of, you know, the circumstances that he's going through and then is, um, it, almost, you know, kind of iron sharpens iron and comes out of it, you know, stronger on the other side. Um, well, I would almost go though further and say it, it's not, a, it's a loss of faith mm. in a moment. You know, it's everything is is gone, and he's just dis, disillusioned, right? By, but I'm and, saying that moment doesn't come because of his, uh, you know, because he is lesser, because he was doubting, and then God's like, "Oh yeah, you wouldn't doubt. I'll show you. I'll abandon you." Right, you, you right, know? right. Yeah, but yeah, that lot yeah, is a complete loss if you're right. Um, and then Steve said, "I've always found it fascinating that the risen Christ still had wounds from his crucifixion." Yeah, that's good. That's true. Yeah. And that's the reality is we carry scars with us. Yeah. You know, I recently had a friend of mine tweet something about my dad and I was really hurtful and I reached out to him and I was very angry when I reached out to them actually. And we had a phone call and uh, later they thanked me for reaching out to them. And I I said, listen, I'm going to apologize on the fact that if I was too angry, I'm like, but I just carry such deep wounds in that area of my life. Yeah. Um, that it was hard for me not to be angry because mm. those, and I actually said scars. I have such deep scars mm. that um, that I still feel. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's important. I that think we all that, carry that with us. Yeah, and those scars can be important reminders. You know, I used to self harm a lot, and and seeing those scars is a, re- a reminder to me of uh, of my strength in getting through that, and is a reminder to me that I don't want to do that again or, or get to that place again or make those choices right. to self-harm again, you know, that seeing those scars that visually, you know, is, is a reminder. And, um, I, I think that those scars are important. 
Thomas said, victory of the spirit should also be freedom from the illusions, systems, economics, power dynamics of the world. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's what I've always liked when people say, I don't see disillusionment as a failure. I see disillusionment as a win because you're no longer being uh, faced with, you're no longer accepting illusions. Mm -hmm. And then Steve says, uh, death brings clarity. I've seen that and experienced that too. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl said, amen, Caleb. I just went through 12 different emotions. (laughs) That's what you just said. That's nice. Okay, yeah, I think that's about it for for feedback. Well, everyone, thank you so much for for coming today. Thanks for your feedback. It was really encouraging. Um, Happy Easter. I hope you have a great day today. Um, So a lot of good things are happening, and uh, with Revolution, and I just want to say I'm grateful for all your guys' support. Things are getting better and tighter, and um, also uh, in the next few weeks, I'll be pushing our uh, YouTube channel a lot more, which is Revolution Broadcasting on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So check that out, and uh, all the services that you see here will be there, a little bit more edited and polished, but it'll be there. And, um, you know, as always, to the podcasts or wherever you podcast. So thanks for being a part of, of this group and, and, and being with us. And um, here's to the future, folks. And uh, we're here with for you if you need us. Um, you know, that's the thing is like, I hope this stuff encourages you and uh, helps us all kind of move in a new direction and speak truth to others as uh, our truth and, and that we're kind of be able to live in a life that's not full of fear for others and we can live well and uh, help others to do the same and, and live life on life's terms as we, we all struggle to live well. Love you all very much. Happy Easter. Bye-bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.